0: Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. You don't have to live too long without noticing that we have some problems in our society. In fact, if you look at a little bit of statistics, you'll see that the divorce rate in our country is 38%. Now, a lot of times you'll hear that the number is 50%, that one in every two marriages. Are are one of every two people divorced, but that's actually not the case. Basically, what that is is that's a projection. They're saying that that 50% of marriages will end in divorce is the point of that statistic. So the actual divorce rate is about 38% right now, but it is prevalent. You'll see. You'll doubtless you know a person who who has been divorced. The use of profanity within the last week, 28% among people in our country. People who've looked at pornography in some level, whether it be on TV or the Internet or or some sort of printed material, 19% of people have done that. Gossiping, 12%. Some sort of drunkenness within the last week, 11%. Have lied blatantly within the last week, 11%. And we, we look at problems like these, we think, where is the solution? I, I had a boss who once said, he probably still does, I just don't hear him say it anymore. I don't want to hear about problems. Give me solutions. Okay? Don't come to me with problems. And we all know that the answer to our generation, the answer to our, the problems in our society is the Word of God. People need to hear the Word of God. They need to hear what God has to say about these sinful activities. But the problem is is that our society is is so illiterate, illiterate when it comes to biblical things. But we are not exempt from the problem that our society has. In fact, if you look at those same statistics within the body of believers, you will find that they are not very far off. In fact, these same statistics were run on people who who belong to a Protestant church, churches who believe like us that Jesus Christ died, rose again, and is the Savior of the world; that He rules and reigns. These people that go to these churches took part in this uh, this uh, this uh, survey and what we found is that it's not very different in fact different in fact the divorce rate instead of 38% for society as a whole for people in protestant churches 33% not too different people who have used profanity within the last week 28% in society 16% within churches pornography 19% in society 12% within protestant churches this problem does not stop when, when, when we put a barrier around us. Okay, we got our body of believers. There are people that, that participate in these same types of sin within our own churches. Bible-believing churches. So that means that if you took a sample of ten Protestant churches within ten miles of here, you would find that in those ten Protestant churches, that one out of every, every three of those people are divorced. One out of every three. One out of six use profanity regularly. One out of every, one out of every eight indulge in some level of pornography on a weekly basis. I mean it's shocking to think about that 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 happens within our churches. And so it is not just our society that needs the scriptures. There is nothing that our churches need more than the Word of God. We have to have the Word of God preached to us. We have to be able to see godly leaders exemplifying the Word of God, living a life that is true to the Word of God, and and preaching it in a way that is powerful, where it cuts to the bone. And that is the nature of the Word of God when the Spirit allows it to, or when the Spirit works, when we allow it to work, it, it can be very powerful i'm sure you've experienced that at some point in your life when you've had some sort of sin that you were holding on, to and the Lord used some message from the Word, maybe some passage that you had read on your own over and over and over again, and didn't really hit you between the eyes like it did when someone preached it to you. What we are about as a church is not simply reading the Scriptures. Reading the Scriptures is important. In fact, Paul says, 1 Timothy 4.13, you need to, to read the Scriptures. You have to have a public reading of Scriptures. We're not just coming to church in order to sing the Scriptures, sing the Word of God, sing truths about God. That's important. Paul says, sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So we should be doing that. But the center of our activity as a local church should be preaching. That is what God has called the church to do, to preach the message of the word in a way that is reverent, exemplary, comprehensive, insistent and persistent. Nothing Nothing at all is more urgent than the preaching of the Word of God. It must be done. Let's begin reading this evening in Second Timothy chapter 4. And our passage will be verses 1 through 5. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." Tonight we're going to see that, that preaching the Word is central to the activity of the local church. And, and our spiritual growth should be based on the truth of the Word, whether it be personally or corporately as a body. Our spiritual growth should be a result of what we've learned in the, in the Word. So let's do a little bit of, of uh, background here as to what Paul is trying to say. Paul begins in chapter 3. Uh, trying to explain how we can have certainty in an uncertain world. We live in a a transient society. They're transitioning from one thing to another like butterflies or or, or bees or something just bouncing around one thing to the next. And how can we have certainty in that sort of uncertain society? Paul tells us in chapter 3 all the way through chapter 4 and verse 5. Look at chapter 3 verse 1. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. The last days that he's referring to here is the time between Christ's ascension up into heaven, which had happened before Paul was writing this, and to the time of when He will return. So that time was future. That's what Paul was referring to when he was saying the last days. Do you sense that we are in the last days? Difficult times will come, Paul says. Look at verse 2. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power. Paul says, Avoid such men, as these he goes on, but then in chapter chapter three, verse 10 through four five he gives the remedy. he says, "We live in this uncertain world, chapter three verses one through nine, but let me show you the remedy to it how we can have foundation, how we can stand on a rock in this shifting society. he begins in chapter three, verse 10. We must resol- first of all, we must resolve to follow the best mentors verse 10. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured and out of them all, out of them all the Lord rescued me. And then Paul says, it's not only me that is a good example to you Timothy. Look down at verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul recognized that it was not only him that that was the basis for Timothy's understanding. It was also his mother and grandmother, as we saw last week in the morning service. So the first way that we we can um, be certain in an uncertain world is to have the right kind of mentor. Secondly, we need to be realistic about the world. Verses 12 and 13. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. We should expect opposition. If we're going to live in in an uncertain world, then we must be realistic about living in that world. That all who are godly will suffer persecution. Thirdly, we must rely on the Scriptures. And that's what we looked at last Sunday morning in verses 14 through 17. We have to rely on the Scriptures because they are God breathed, they are inspired. The Scriptures are powerful and profitable and purposeful. They have purpose for us. Verse 17. So we must rely on the Scriptures. And then fourth is where I want to draw our attention this evening. That in order to be certain in an uncertain world, we must proclaim the Scriptures. It's not enough to say that we rely on them. It's not enough for us to say that they are the source of all truth. We have to proclaim them. And that's what Paul says that we must do as preachers in in chapter 4, verses 1-5. through We have to proclaim the Scriptures. Nothing else has transforming power like the Scriptures do. So, now we come to our passage. Verse 1, we see the priority of preaching. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing and by His kingdom. Paul here calls God as His witness. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God. This reminds me of something that would have happen in a courtroom. They say, I, I, I swear to tell the truth, so help me God. I solemnly swear, based on uh, my hand being on the Bible, that God is true. Meaning, if I say anything false, God can judge me. In fact, the Old Testament saints, when they put together an agreement, this is how they would do it. They would say, I call God as my witness. Paul is saying it here. Timothy, this is so important what I'm about to tell you, that I am calling God as my witness. But he doesn't just call God as his witness. He also does it based on the authority of Christ and his future return and reign. He says, and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. One day Christ will ultimately judge all men, separating the wheat from the tares separating the believers from the unbelievers. And he will come back to to receive his own. And Paul places this charge in perspective for Timothy. He's saying, what I'm about to tell you is under the same amount of control as God's watching over Christ when He comes back. You think that's going to happen? Then you need to be serious about what I'm about to tell you. Because this is a very serious task that, that I am charging you and God and Christ are both watching over him. And I can't think of a stronger way to say this, what what Paul is about to say. He's saying, I solemnly charge you based on the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and based on His appearing and His coming coming kingdom, this is what I'm about to tell you. There's no more serious way to say what he's about to say. This is not something that he's saying to... to Timothy in passing so now we come to we've seen the priority of preaching that it is serious business now we come to the process of preaching we see this in verses 2 and 5 the process of preaching first thing that we see is that in verse 2 that it requires readiness Paul says preach the word be ready in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort with great patience and instruction. How? How does a person preach the Word? Paul tells Timothy how to preach the Word. He says, here's how you do it. Be ready in season and out of season. Well, what does that mean? Well, when Paul's talking about this preparation, he's he's used in other places the preparation that was needed for battle. That when you you were going into battle, it was not something that you just you know, kind of slept in and, and got up whenever you wanted to. I mean this is serious business. You need to think about what's going to happen out there in the battlefield. And when you do, you you should be prepared, adequately prepared. So he says be prepared in season and out. And I think the best way to explain that is simply be prepared when it's popular. Be prepared when it's convenient, but also be prepared when it's unpopular. When it's inconvenient for you to preach, be prepared then, Timothy. It's not enough for you just to be prepared when you know, you've know you gained a big crowd or when people enjoy what they're hearing. You need to be prepared even when you have something difficult to say. And that will often be the case because we are speaking the very words of God. And Paul was the poster child for preaching when it was inconvenient, wasn't he? This statement certainly must have had some weight to it when it came to Timothy. Not only did he solemnly charge him based on the authority of God and the coming of Christ, but he also said, listen, look at my life. I was prepared out of season. I was prepared in season so so look at my example and the point is that the pastor needs to be is required to be able to preach the word when it is scheduled and be able to... Give the whole counsel of God at the drop of a hat. That is the job of the pastor and that's what, what, what Paul is charging to Timothy here. The source of the message here is the Word of God. It should not be changed no matter what, the, what shadows are shifting, what, what things in society are changing. The, the authority is the Word of God. Notice verse 2. Look at that with me in your Bibles there. Preach what? The Word. He doesn't say just preach. Preach. He says, preach the Word. That is the content of what Timothy is supposed to, to talk about. And if he's not talking about the Word, he's not preaching at all. God is true. And, and He must be preached as true. And Paul saying, this is so important that you need to preach, even if all men are liars, Romans chapter 3, verse 4, may God be true. Preach the Word. And he says at the end of the verse that that it requires patience. Preach the word, be ready in season and out, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience. He says the same thing in chapter 2, verse 24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong. This is a quality that is necessary in the preacher. He must be patient, must be patiently working through the scriptures with the people of God, expectantly waiting God's presence and God's power to change. So it requires patience. It also requires sobriety. Sobriety, it says, um, preach the Word, be ready in season and out of season. And then verse 5, you see it says, but you, be sober in all things. It requires sobriety. It also requires perseverance and hardship. There will be time when the preacher is going to go through some difficult times and Paul says that you need to endure that hardship, verse 5. And then the very next phrase, he says, do the work of an evangelist. An evangelist is only used three times in the New Testament and every time it's used, it's used to refer to the office of an evangelist. An evangelist was an itinerant announcer of the Gospel's good news. And he, he followed that up by organizing these people who had heard the good news of the Gospel into a local church. That is what an evangelist is. But Paul's not saying here, you, Timothy, be an evangelist. Notice what he says. Verse 5. Do the work of an evangelist. He's saying you need to always be prepared to be evangelizing. To be, to be showing them the good news that is Jesus Christ, that is in the Scriptures. Because if you can't say Jesus Christ in the Scriptures, then what are you preaching about? That is what the Scriptures are about. They talk to us about the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. They talk about the hatred that He has for sin. They talk about the suffering that He had to endure because of our sins. And so we should be constantly doing the work of an evangelist. And then he gives this last phrase here in verse 5, Fulfill your ministry. This is the idea of of completing your ministry. It means to accomplish fully. The same phrase is used in chapter 4, verse 17. Or similar phrase, I should say. Chapter 4, verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished. Same idea there and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. So Paul is saying, you need to to fulfill your ministry. You need to to allow it to come to completion. Persevere all the way to the end, Timothy. Don't give up. Even when things get difficult. So there is a process that is involved in preaching. But there's also a purpose in preaching. The purpose in preaching is found in verses 2-4. through After having given this, this strong command in, or this strong uh, solemn charge in verse 1, Paul says, I call God as my witness and Christ Jesus and His appearing and His kingdom. And here's what he says. Preach the Word. That is the main command of this passage. And two, item, two items are critical for the pastor to be in line with God's command for him. First of all, he has to preach. That's the first part of the command. Preach the Word. Preaching is not teaching, primarily. Preaching is not giving a drama. Preaching is not singing. Preaching is not talking to someone one-on-one. Preaching is a heralding, a proclaiming of the message of God. It is, if, it is as if we have a king who has a message to give to his subjects. What is the way that the king gets that message to the subjects? How did that happen before we got into the print age and the, media, the, the heavy uh, multimedia age? How did that happen? Yeah, they had a messenger. A messenger came and he pulled out the scroll and he proclaimed the message from the king. And he spoke on behalf of the king. And his words were as binding as the king's. And that is what preaching is. It is speaking the very words of God. Paul calls it the very utterances of God. First Peter, or I'm sorry, Peter. In First Peter chapter 4, verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak the very utterances of God. This is no insignificant thing. For the person the man of God, to be able to speak the words of God. And so the pastor is the formal and official declarer of the message of, the God, to, uh, the message of God to the local church. His preaching role is that of heralding the message. And we cannot allow that, that method, preaching, to be substituted with some other method, meth, method that works. You look around to other churches, even in this area, and you'll find that they are are looking for other methods to get the Word out to people. But the prescribed method that God gives us through the Apostle Paul is that the Word of God is preached. That the center of the church's activity is the preaching of God's very Word. and So we must not allow that method to be substituted by in anything else and it's not enough as i said earlier simply to preach it's not enough to just declare a message notice what paul says preach what preach the word we have to preach the very words of god the purpose of preaching the first purpose of preaching is found in verse 2. okay so that's the main command the main command is to preach the word The first purpose of preaching is to equip the saints. Paul says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And then here's the purpose. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Now, do those words sound familiar to you? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Look back to verse 16 of chapter 3. Paul says that all Scripture is profitable in this way. He says all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. So those four things in verse 16 are similar things that Paul is saying is the purpose of preaching here in verse 2 of chapter 4. Reprove. Reprove. The Scriptures reprove. They, they, they show you the correct path. They also rebuke. They they show you where you're going wrong. They exhort. They encourage. They train in righteousness. And then finally, at the end of verse 2, they instruct. They just teach you simply about the things of God. That is what the Scriptures do. And that must be done uh, as the preacher gives the words. Preaching is more than just conveying information. That's why I said preaching is not primarily just teaching. It's not just saying here is what is here. It is both saying what God has said and saying what this means for us. And that is what preaching does. It gives application. It drives into uh, the deepest part of our souls. And so the minister of the gospel is... A necessary spiritual diagnostician. He's finding out the pulse of what is going on within the church and then he's discerning the ailment and determining the remedy based on God's word. He's not simply up here reading the word of God for everyone to hear. That is a good thing. He's not simply saying that God exists, although that's in the scriptures. He's showing us where. We have gone wrong where we need to improve as believers. And so we have to be careful about how we receive the Word of God. There is a danger for the preacher to apply encouragement when he should be rebuking. Or when he's rebuking and he should be encouraging. And so it is a very very sobering task. The preacher must equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. That is the first purpose of preaching. The second purpose is to guard against false doctrine, Paul tells us in verses 3 and 4. Second purpose of preaching is to guard against false doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to mids. Paul says the time is coming or the time will come. Paul expects Timothy to face this problem. And if, if certainly these types of problems would come in Timothy's church, they should. we should expect that they will also come in ours. We should expect that that the church will eventually deteriorate. Even this church will deteriorate. If you don't think that's true, name for me one church that is in existence from the first century. What church was more sound in doctrine than the first century church? And yet, that church doesn't exist anymore. In fact, you won't find churches that hold to the, to the very truths of the Scripture that have lasted for longer, usually than a hundred years. Every church deteriorates over time. It's only a matter of time. And so Paul is saying the time will come. So be prepared, Timothy. It's going to happen. You notice the phrase there, the, the reason for this happening. The reason that people turn away. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The phrase there, not endure, has the idea of being intolerant. That is not a word that's very popular in our day. Intolerant. We as a society are supposed to be tolerant to everybody's beliefs. We're supposed to be tolerant towards everybody's political views. These people here were actually intolerant. They were intolerant of something that they should not have been intolerant of. They were intolerant. They would not allow sound doctrine to be in their church. So Paul says, be prepared, Timothy. It's coming. The NIV says, they will not put up with. And because of the demanding... Confrontational, confrontational nature of preaching, they couldn't handle it. They no longer wanted to put up with it. And so I want you to notice their authority. Verse 3, "...the authority of these people who will not endure sound doctrine. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires." Who is it that is the authority of the message they want to hear? Themselves. They say, this is what we want, and so this is what we want you to to preach to us. We're not going to put up with this sound doctrine that, that, that takes us back to the Scriptures. We don't want that. We want you to tickle our ears. We want to hear what we want to hear. We want to suit our own desires. And so what they do is they gather around them a great number of preachers to say what they want to hear. But when it comes to the truth, quantity never makes up for quality. If a 100 people tell you that you look beautiful today when you have food all over your face, that doesn't make it true. You may want to hear that that you look beautiful today, but that's not the truth. And so it doesn't matter if we have a hundred or a thousand teachers that tell us that what we're doing is okay. That's what you'll find in churches all over America and in in our area. Just tell me what I want to hear. I don't really want to hear the truth. But quality is the most important thing when it comes to proclaiming the truth. I would rather have one person come up to me and say you have smudges all over your face than for a hundred people to lie to my face and say you look fine. And that that is the nature of depraved society. They sink to the lowest common denominator they care more about about having their desires met rather than what God's desire is. It's interesting to note the difference in authority from these people, it is their own desires, and verses 1 and 2, the authority is the Word of God based on the solemn charge of God Himself and Jesus Christ. The authority is completely different on those who... Who are following after the truth of Scripture, the authority is the Word of God, as Paul said in chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. So, the purpose of preaching is to guard against false doctrine. That is a very important thing that preachers must do. When we reject biblical truth, it ultimately is a sign that we are accepting false teaching. That sounds um, pretty obvious, but look at verse 4 because I want to show you the source of these people's problem. Okay, They're trying to, to do things according to their own desires. Verse 4, and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to mids. They will turn away from truth. The point is that they don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to ultimately hear what God has to say to them. They'd rather have someone else misinterpret the Scriptures so that they don't have to conform to what it really says. But what Paul is calling for here is a proper interpretation of the Scriptures so that we can know what God says. When you see the prophets speaking in the Old Testament, you would often hear their message preceded by, thus says the Lord. This is the very Word of God. And that is what the preacher should do. He should not stand up there as some spiritual Gumby saying, I don't know if this is really what God says. This may be my opinion, but you take what you want to take from it. You may have a different interpretation. God has one interpretation for His Scriptures. I can't confidently say that I will know that every time, but when I speak to you, I will speak on behalf of God based on my study of the Scriptures. That is my job. When we have this mindset that, well, God has a different point for someone else than He has for me. And that's just my opinion. You see the tolerance in that type of thinking, first of all. But how would you like it if people interpreted your words the way that we interpret God's words? People took some, some paragraph that you had said and said, this is what he or she means. You would say, no, that's not what I meant at all. You didn't understand the situation when I said that. You don't know me. And I would say the same thing to people who try to say that there are multiple interpretations of Scripture. That it doesn't really matter what I think. It just matters what God says to you. If you're getting a unique revelation from the Scriptures, you're not getting a revelation at all. Because God speaks through words. He speaks in language. And He has one meaning. And the job of the preacher is to find out what that meaning is and then try to apply it to the people within the body of Christ. People in our society don't really want to hear God speak. They'd rather be entertained... By teaching tickled ears, so that they can walk away feeling good about themselves. Have you ever met somebody who went to a counselor, had a problem, and they went to that counselor, and the counselor told him something about what God had said in their word, and what did they do? Instead of accepting that, what did they do? No, I, I don't like what you said about that, so I'm going to just go, go to another counselor. They find out what they want to hear. It may not be the truth, but that's what they want to hear. They want to be entertained so that they can feel well. And there are people all over our society who are walking into churches so that they can hear what they want to hear. So that they can have some level of, of security in the way that they're living their lives. So that they can have some measure of acceptance before God. when When God is saying, through His Word, what you're doing is sin. When we listen to the Word of God, we should be able to hear His voice turning away from the Scriptures. Turning aside to myths, as Paul says. The the reason that they do this, they turn aside to false teachings, is because they do not want to hear God's Word. So the implication that we can take from that is that we must hear the Word of God so that we do not turn aside to false myths. You see the connection there? Look at verse 4 again. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. The reason that they turn from myths is because they're not hearing the Word of God. And the reason that every church turns away from the true message of the Gospel is because they have not they have not stayed with they have not attained they have not understood they have not agreed with the very word of god Paul says the per- purpose in preaching is to equip the saints yes but also to guard against false doctrine to guard against false doctrine so if the word of god is powerful to equip the church to do the work of the ministry, and if we want to avoid false doctrine, if we want to avoid becoming people who are looking to have our ears tickled, and there's one thing that we must keep at the center of all of our meeting together, Paul says, preach the Word. Allow the Word of God to be preached, to, to, to be proclaimed in a way That we we did not see it before. Not because it's not there, but because we have been guarded because of our sin. Our time together as a church is filled up with very important things. All things that are prescribed in the Scriptures that we ought to do. But it's not enough to simply have the Word of God taught in our church. It's not enough to have the Word of God sung in our church. It's not enough to have the Word of God read. The Word of God must be preached. It must be heralded. It must be proclaimed as the very words of God. And the purpose of it, will it will ultimately encourage us, it will correct us, it will teach us, it will train us, it will keep us from false doctrine. The Word of God is the source of our spiritual life. It is our spiritual food. And so we should not be surprised that preaching the Word of God, that is, dispensing this spiritual food, is at the very center of what we do. Because the Word of God is the source of our life. If without it we fail, we die, we need it. And if you want to have stability and strength as things around you are deteriorating, then allow the Word of God to be preached. Allow God to proclaim His message through the pastor. Don't ever be satisfied when preaching is exchanged with emotional stories or funny jokes or heartwarming nonsense. The job of the pastor is not to build up some emotion within you. It is to preach the Word. Now hopefully the result of that is is that there is some emotion that wells up within you. But that is not the primary responsibility of the pastor. It is to preach the Word. The people who are going to church in verses 3 and 4 were intolerant of sound doctrine. They did not put up with, or as our, our text says, they will not endure it. We should match their passion for intolerance, but not for sound doctrine. We should should be intolerant of false doctrine the way that they are intolerant of sound doctrine. We should be so concerned about the truth that comes from the Word of God that it is real and right that we carefully examine what is being preached. That we take special care to make sure that this is not simply some whim that the pastor came up with. But that it is the very Word of God. And so there's a check and balance for both of us, isn't there? There's both the check for, for the church as a whole to receive the very Word of God proclaimed to them in a way that is appropriate and applicable to their lives. And there's the, the, the check of the church on the pastor to make sure that he's actually speaking the Word of God. Because there is a time that will come when people will no longer want to hear sound doctrine. And you know who ultimately rules in that situation? It is you as the church body. It is you. You determine whether or not you want to hear sound doctrine. And the time will come when when there will be people, even in this church, thirty four, maybe not in our generation, but there will come a time when they won't want to hear some doctrine, and it won't necessarily be because the pastor is leading them that way. I'm not trying to remove all um, culpability from the pastor, but what I'm saying is that the church body is governed by the church, the the, the congregation. And so you as an individual and you as a body should demand that what Paul says here takes place in our church, that the Word of God is preached. And when it is, we will be people who are equipped to do the work of the ministry. We will be people who will overflow with joy having seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As we put this mirror up to us as a body, we will recognize our imperfections. We will recognize the grace of Jesus Christ and we will take joy in that. There is great benefit to allowing the the Word of God to be preached. And it will not only equip us to do the work of the ministry, it won't only allow us to overflow with joy for our God and our Savior, but it will also keep us from sound doctrine. Put that away because we are so in tune with what what God has to say for us. And we, we have as our desire that He speak to us and that He rule in our lives that nothing else matters. And when we do, it will not only benefit us, but it will benefit all of the people around us. What happens when people radiate with the glory of God is that people around can see it. Not just in your homes, not just in your, your families and your neighborhoods, but but everywhere that every single person in this church goes, people will see that, that the glory of God is being radiated in Ambassador Baptist Church. Do you want that to happen? Do you long to see God's glory displayed in our area? If so, then you should desire deeply to see the Word of God preached. Preached with power. Let's bow together for prayer. Lord, there are certainly a number of methods that we have seen that have worked in our society there are dramas there are comedians there are entertainment music all sorts of things that seem to to get people's attention and and well up within them some emotion and our temptation is to Shed this method that You have given to us of preaching the Word and put in its place something that works. And what we've done there, Father, to our shame, is we've taken away Your power. You have given us this ordained method to preach the Word in our church. And I pray that it would be heralded in this church for ages to come that the result of the church body hearing the very words of God being applied to their lives would be that lives would be changed. You have promised, Lord, that You would change those of us who are believers into the image of Jesus Christ if we would simply reflect on Your Word. Your Spirit uses the Word to change our lives and we want that to happen in each of our lives. Lord, I need the Word to change me. Each person here needs the Word to change them. And while that happens in our own personal time, we pray that we would not neglect this one needful time of gathering together to hear The word preached. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a humble people who are constantly seeking your face, desiring to hear your word. I pray that we would love your word more than anything in this life, more than entertainment, more than our jobs, our family, more than. our our very existence, more than our possessions, that we would go to You in Your Word and find out what You have to say for us. And I pray that You would give me the sobriety that is necessary to be able to preach it wisely, that I would be able to, to encourage when encouragement is needed to rebuke when rebuke is needed, to correct, to train in righteousness, to instruct, and to do it with great patience. Lord, I cannot do it apart from You. And we cannot accept the Word apart from You. We need Your help. And when we see Your glory displayed through Your Word, and when we see it changing lives, even in our body. We pray that we would not take the glory for it. That we would not take credit for it. But that we would deflect all of the glory that comes to us to You. For we can do nothing apart from You. What do we have that we did not receive? You are a great God and most worthy of our praise, And You are worthy to be heard every time we meet together. And I pray that that would be at the center of what we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.